My body aches with the pain that is mine and all that isn't. I feel the feelings and think the thoughts of all in my lineages. I develop my own as I live. In each moment that I exist, I'm directed by decisions made by my predecessors who bleed within me, and I create the paths wherein my descendants will thrive. My body smiles the smiles of my mothers, laughs the laughs of my fathers. My inner child screams, cries, eats, plays, loves and lives within me. I am the women before me, resisting and persevering against the odds of their circumstances and living to the best of their ability. I am the men before me, struggling to strive, struggling to dream, yet doing so regardless and moving our lives forward. My body is resilient and adapts. It is a home, a creator, a protector and a receiver. I choose within each moment to listen and hear and feel myself, my people, my ancestors and my successes express in me. The pain, the strife and the worry sit inside with the joy, the gratitude and the hope. They occupy their spaces in my body, my mind and my spirit to inform my humanity. I am a human because I am all other humans around me at all times. Umuntu ngumuntu ngabantu motu kemotu kabatu. to the eighth episode of the black girl condition podcast this is also the last episode of the culture makes me human series my name is lelo your host and the creator of this platform for centuries and centuries our people have been forced to give up our bodies so that others may use them for their own will and benefit some of our African people were kidnapped and taken to other lands to be enslaved. Others were enslaved on their own lands, like most, most of us in Southern Africa. For centuries, our people have been forced to be exploited. And I say forced very intentionally here because it took centuries of battle for most of our people to even give in centuries of bloodshed and massacre until our people chose survival over genocide even though the european oppressors chose genocide regardless and since they arrived we have had no peace we have never been given a single opportunity to mourn and heal as a collective as south african black people we have yet to really fully address what went on before and during apartheid Many of the people in our cultures carry the pain and trauma and fear from over 50 years ago in their bodies, minds, and spirits. And we really need to address some of the things that we have inherited and even made our own as a result. We have to address how we're now the living embodiments of people who have survived and adapted to bloodshed and 
brutality and how those adaptations made throughout our oppression are now who we are. Whether they draw us closer to our African spirituality or they drive us further away from ourselves and into European assimilation. Before I start anything, I have to say this one thing. Our oppression didn't make sense. It doesn't now and it never will. Which means that if we heal, and only if we heal, will we finally understand and have access to our humanity again. The only way it makes sense is if you know that the reason you're oppressed is because of the power you hold as a human. You cannot be viewed as a human and still be oppressed because you'd still have too much power. So the only reason we're oppressed is because they don't want us to be the Africans that we are meant to be. There is nothing normal about enslaving another human being. There is nothing normal about feeling as if you have some kind of moral authority over another living being that dictates you can then do whatever you want to said human being and justify it because you have a higher purpose or higher calling in life. What that really is, is you are a tool. You are a vessel of power that uses it, that is using you to enact its will because it sees avoiding you that it can fill because the humanity within you has been taken away. So when we think about the human, the human and human spirit and the idea of human consciousness, it is not to be bounded. It is not to be subjugated. It is not to be disciplined in, in ideologies that reduce us all down to one or two articulations of what it means to be human. So right now, yes, I believe we are having an awakening, but we're having an awakening into our actual humanity and the spirit of the human is freedom. I want to give a trigger warning for what may come ahead. This is a particularly sensitive discussion for me, but for everyone in general, as it deals with some of the biggest disconnects we have as a people. This is the type of thing that we have been told for centuries to not talk about, and now we're at a time where we embody the silence. We embody all that our oppressors told us to be and not to be as well as all the ways we have adapted to our circumstances. To begin this heavy discussion, I'd like to dedicate a portion of it to the men in our community. Since this podcast is called The Black Girl Condition, I center the space's objective to talk about and listen to the realities of black women and femme people. But I think it's worth it to really delve into the experiences and realities of men in our community. I think many men across the globe are suffering immensely with having to exist as men. And all of us know this. We listen to them complain every day about their experiences. Obviously, the problem is that many of them are misogynists, so they would rather blame women than actually solve their problems. Can we not say that blaming women is simply just another symptom of this real man syndrome? It's a really complex discussion, especially because of how emotionally taxing it is being a woman in this. But I will try my best to relay the understandings that I have for all of you who are listening. People who are socialized as men particularly those who are non-white, live extremely soul-crushing lives. 
from the moment they are seen to be boys. They are expected as babies to not cry. They are immediately given less affection, less affirmations. They are not kissed with love, embraced with care, and held with grace. From the moment that they are born, they are viewed as projectors and machines with the sole purpose of upholding and maintaining the very white supremacy and patriarchy that damages and consumes their souls. More especially, they are told to look at the women in their lives and hate them. They are told and taught to despise everything in themselves that resembles womanhood. Unfortunately for them and everyone around them, it completely removes their humanity. There's no such thing as a woman or a man because a woman is simply what a man should not be and a man is simply what a woman should be. Yet even with all of this, black people are not even afforded femininity or masculinity. And for black men, masculinity that they'll never fully be allowed is all that they have to cling onto. From childhood, the black boy is a black man, a man too much or a man not enough. The extremes that black men go to today to prove their masculinity is an embodiment of centuries of the pain and trauma that it takes to be a man in this society. Our black men today are walking time capsules of the past that dictates who they get to become today. It gets exponentially worse when entering the real world. The real world where these people who have been socialized to not care now have to interact with people and prove that they don't care. Imagine how a world like that looks, where men all over are told that feelings don't matter unless it's their own passionate, aggressive emotions like anger, hate, frustration, and rage. A world where you're only accepted and given resources if you fit an ideal which is apathetic, dominating, and controlling in order to not be seen as weak by the men around you. This is the real world, the one that they say is a man's world. This type of space is much harder for me to navigate, I have to admit, and I do think it's much harsher than what we go through as non cishet men. Because men are constantly competing with one another. Never once do they give each other the chance to be human. Even the men who are meant to raise their sons or mentor other young men, they are still competing with them. Let's even address the problem that has come about in forcing our men to work and compete against, amongst themselves. The problem starts with something as simple as fatherhood absenteeism or the lack of physical or emotional presence of a boy's father. For men, particularly black men, over the centuries, they have been forced to be machines. Generations of men in the 1800s in South Africa had to leave their wives and families to go work in the mines for the whole year 
only returning to visit once or twice a year, and many of them still didn't go back home. And it's been that way for a really long time. They have had to leave their whole support structures and basically their lives to go and labor for people who don't even give them enough to sustain their whole families. This unintentionally caused for a whole wave of this phenomenon of fatherhood absenteeism. It started out with men leaving their families for jobs in Gauteng, only to never return and to eventually build new homes and families in those urban or industrial areas. During apartheid, the same thing has happened. Men leaving their families in townships and rural areas to go to urban areas for jobs, to settle there and never come back. And over this time, it has morphed into men now intentionally not being present fathers. It has changed from wanting a family and homestead for your culture and your people to needing money to build a home but not having enough, yet still wanting the family and the home. The reason isn't obvious as to why men would want to have a family that they can't afford, but it is simple. Black men have never been afforded masculinity except for when they fulfill the European ideal of a man. Essentially, black men are not real men unless they have it all. A wife or even multiple wives, children, a home, a job. And for us in modern times, material fancies like a car or multiple cars, a business, maybe even another home for vacation, etc. So, Black men for centuries have been disillusioned by white supremacy, which has told them on and on and on that they're not real men, but if they can fulfill the capitalist's dream, then they'll be real men. This has been embodied by them choosing work and money over family during the mining days when they were forced to work, to them doing the same today, but somehow with less resources. As many of them don't have their own homes or jobs, so what else could really make them feel like real men except for having wives or children so now not only have generations of men lost out on the opportunity to build themselves and find their identities through a stable father figure they themselves have then become the fathers that have abandoned them this is a heavy topic as many men do realize the impacts of not having fathers on their self-image, their mental health, and their feelings and emotions. But still, because patriarchy runs rampant today, many of them believe that it is more important that they fulfill these ideals of what it means to be a man. And when they don't have that representation within their own lives, what else would they have to latch onto to ground them? than the system and the culture, which is very clearly still intertwined with white supremacy and patriarchy. So what does that really look like today? Well, many men today want children in as much as they do not want the responsibility of raising the child. Similarly, they want wives in as much as they do not want to build a healthy, loving relationship. The complication is that they believe we are still in those times of struggle where women were entirely dependent on men 
and the resources they had access to. This is why I have chosen to see the bodies of our people as time capsules. The men of our communities today are the same men of the 1800s and the apartheid era, however without the dependence that women have on them. There's a void that they desperately seek to be filled by the power over women that they were promised for being the men that they are supposed to be. Basically, they want the power that we no longer want to give them because we can do things on our own as women. But the truth is, they want the power that they were actually meant to grow into as children, where their fathers and men in their community were meant to raise them confidently and assertively, the power that teaches them to build themselves first, then the relationship with others. They really just want to be able to love themselves. And unfortunately, we may think this has only to do with absent fathers, but even the men who do remain still do not provide that space for boys to learn to accept and love themselves. I think the biggest psychological dilemma that many South African black men face today is having to honestly confront the ways that their fathers have impacted their being. For many men, the absence of their fathers, whether physically or emotionally, has caused such deep voids in their souls that they really can't grasp the extent of their own emotional pain and suffering. And for those whose fathers were present but abused or neglected them, it goes even deeper. Because for many people, it is much easier to deal with the caregiver just simply not being there. It is much, much more difficult to experience the person there, but them just not wanting to love or care for them. Because for many young boys whose fathers are there but neglect or abuse them, they try and try and try to be the man that they are expected to be, to gain love, but without the guidance or support. More often, it is forced out of them through guilt, shame and abuse. Just like any other child, not only do they try for many years to appeal to their father figures, but they eventually emulate and mimic their behaviours as they grow older. What's the most disturbing and incredibly painful thing about this whole phenomenon is that these young boys watch their fathers abuse their mothers or stepmothers and their sisters, and furthermore, when they start to become like their fathers, they are praised and encouraged and supported by the men around them. It's really not likely that the men actually defend the women and are successful in getting other men to learn, learn empathy. In essence, regardless of whether the father is there or not, men typically learn through that experience to not have or practice empathy and it becomes solidified as they enter the real world to such an extent that their new friendships and relationships are formed on that basis, that they are not there to maintain a healthy, communicative, emotional, safe and secure partnership, but much rather to appeal to the traditional power dynamic, wherein they are authoritative and don't care about the well-being of whoever's in the relationship with them. Unfortunately, but also obviously, this affects everyone 
including themselves. It doesn't end with the role of the fathers, though, since men are capable, as much as anyone on this planet, in finding themselves and healing from childhood father wounds. So, where does this disconnect that they continue to experience in themselves further cement itself? Well, similarly in how their relationships with their fathers and other men give them the platform to exercise toxic, toxic masculinity, there is also a platform for this same disconnect with the women in their lives. Now, this is where it gets really deep. During the times in the past when men had to leave their homes for work far, far away, women were then expected to take on the roles of both the mother and the father. Especially since there was a point where the money that was coming in from the fathers was not enough. And so these women had to take on financial responsibilities as well as build homes and provide for everyone. This implemented another disconnect because it forced men to confront that they are failing in their duties as husbands and fathers. Being that their bodies are being exploited by the capitalist system, but it also being their only way of surviving, the men were put in deeply perplexing positions because they had to fulfill multiple roles at once to prove their masculinity, but it was actually impossible. They could not be working thousands of kilometers away from home and still be there to provide like a husband and father should. And since the men had to take on those roles, the women had to take on those roles, many of the men viewed it as an attack on their masculinity. The very fact of women actually being the fathers and providers made the men's efforts to survive futile because they couldn't even do the one thing a man is supposed to do. At this point, I'd like to very strongly emphasize that this entire discussion is within the context and lens of white supremacy and patriarchy's influence on our culture. I have not mentioned what African cultures have understood to be masculinity and femininity, and I'm not going into that in depth. All I will say about that is that men have been extremely valid in their concerns over women fulfilling the roles that they were meant to fulfill as men. One reason I say that is our spirituality. There are understandings in many African cultures that one needs to be initiated into masculinity or femininity so that the ancestors recognize their personhood and adulthood. And so the practices of initiation for both men and women have been occurring since way before colonization. These practices have been what our people have relied on to carefully sustain our societies. So many men undergo these sacred initiation practices and they are accepted into the natural and spiritual realms of our societies as men with the specific roles and duties they're meant to fulfill especially as providers. So when women fulfill these roles without initiation, it diverts the spiritual order of our people. It's not wrong, but it, ha but it has not been what our people understand to bring harmony into our societies. So I do think this is what makes our problems today so incredibly difficult to resolve. 
we're all just lost, incredibly confused, and deeply hopeless. But back to men and how they view women today. One thing I can tell you about trauma is that it causes the survival mindset that often leaves people stuck in the past. And obviously, as I'm trying to explain here, all of our problems have roots in past experiences. And if we look at how our culture is a product of centuries of oppression from our past, then it would make sense that we culturally are stuck in the past. The ways that men have had to adapt to them being forced to work and be exploited has caused for this gap in families where women fulfill the roles of mother and father, caregiver and provider. And because they have been doing so since black men started working in the 1800s, there's been a cultural shift in how women are viewed as domestic laborers. However, as this relates to men, children, especially boys, have found that they are now fed ideas about the women in their lives, especially their mothers. Single mothers or wives with working husbands have been bearing the brunt of abuse, not only from their husbands or baby daddies, but from their children themselves. Now, this isn't to say that they don't perpetuate abuse themselves. Quite often, they misplace their anger and frustrations with their husbands or fathers of the children onto the children. And this leads further to toxic relationships and mentalities between mother and son, man and women. It's become a phenomenon where men who grow up without fathers or with abusive fathers either become mama's boys, so-called, or they absolutely hate their mothers. In both instances, they still turn out to hate other women. In the case of enmeshment with mothers, sons ten tend to have overly close relationships with their mothers because of the absence of the father. Relationships are emotionally incestuous, where mothers and sons behave like couples, and too often the son doesn't have real opportunities at forming healthy connections with other women, whether sexually, platonically, or romantically. This then causes these men to not really enjoy other connections with other women, unless they resemble the toxic relationship with their mother. Quite often, these mothers embody the subservient, timid, selfless, hard-working mother who cares for everyone but herself, yet is very possessive over her son because she has no husband or boyfriend. So when these men go out in search for love or relationships, they really just want a version of their mom with whom they can have sexual relations. This mom version is who all of us as women are expected to be for our male partners. On the contrary, for men who absolutely hate their mothers, how they end up treating women around them is with disdain, disinterest, a lack of empathy, and to the very extreme, violence and hate. What is scary is that because the culture of men in our society encourages them to hate women, often a lot of misogynists go under the radar unless altered by those who experience them. I have to say not all men, though, 
because there are men who are actively working at not being these types of men and those who did not allow themselves to succumb to quote-unquote real man syndrome and built themselves outside of these harmful structures. Oddly enough, it is not these men who are working hard to heal that find such harsh, harsh truths offensive. It is the ones who don't want to take accountability and still seek power within these harmful structures. All in all, the ways in which men exist today and I've actually simplified it quite a bit, are results of centuries of unresolved trauma. But it's not as if we don't know that. What I want to highlight specifically is that, just like any other group of people, men have adapted. Over time, they have learned what it takes to be a man and have adapted their ideologies to their times to make themselves still able to fit into this box. During the 1800s, they went to work and built communities where they worked instead of going back home because they really had no choice. But even within that, they maintained that they're entitled to sex and money and wealth and power. This is how prostitution came about, don't you think? A man has needs and such. During apartheid, they left townships and emakaya to build in urban areas, leaving families and wives and children behind to further prove that they can be real men within white spaces. Today, they don't have anywhere to go. Many of them are jobless, homeless, and still live with parents, or they're struggling to keep up the lives they've built within these urban societies. They're unmarried with children, unable to support themselves, let alone their children. Or they are married or having been divorced already and have multiple children that they can look after but choose not to for the sake of being a man in some way. They have adapted their patriarchal ideologies that force them to reach elsewhere other than financial responsibility and providing duties for the power of masculinity. We have come to the point where they use extremes such as rape, domestic abuse, financial abuse, and homicide to prove themselves as real men. And so, to end off this part of the discussion dedicated to men, I'd just like to say that the bodies of our men are numb and in pain simultaneously. They are lost, confused, and depressed because they have had to live up to an ideal of what it means for their entire existence whilst never actually getting that fulfilled. More and more and more of their humanity is taken away from them in this pursuit of so-called masculinity. It is replaced with this robotic, soulless entity which seeks to consume and, re and paralyze the bodies which it infiltrates. Black men today will never be man enough because they were never meant to be men. And so, as long as they seek that out, they will suffer. And if they continue to let the past dictate their future, as in, quote-unquote, 
That's just how it is. That's how it will always be. They will forever never be enough or too much. Their bodies are a site of self-hatred, self-sabotage, and self-deprecation. They are not taught to care about their health, their well-being, their emotionality, and their trauma. And they are not taught to take accountability for how their own actions lead to their own detriment. Much rather, they are forced to become the very thing that has destroyed our communities. A robot of the white supremacist patriarchy. They no longer own their bodies, but they most definitely can take them back. They most definitely can heal and come back to their own. I just hope that they realize this before it is too late. I hope they realize this before they start doing more extreme things to cope with this reality that is the man's world. Because for us as black people, we have never been allowed in this world. Yet men constantly want to show up as men within this space. The harsh truth is that they'll never be accepted as black men in the real world. And so they have to find a way back to their own. Many of our people, not just black men, are stuck in the past. For example, black men and many others still think that women should not be educated or financially able, even though it is these women that have historically sustained our communities through these very privileges that men feel they are entitled to. Black people in general still have anxieties and fears when entering white spaces, and they still have a yes boss mentality. These are particularly the people which we are very concerned about in voting for the ANC in the next elections. There are a multitude of black men that take on menial or quote-unquote unskilled labor, like truck driving, gardening, plumbing, etc., because they do not see themselves capable of better jobs, or better yet, are not capable of finding those better jobs. And similarly, for black women who become domestic aid or work in service labor. What's the most trippy for me is that most of these people now work for other black people and they still remain oppressed. The black people who have managed to build lives in urban, in urban areas have now come to embody their oppressors by using class as a tool. Black elitism runs rampant today. Our culture, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, still uses colorism, texturism, fatphobia, ableism, as well as queer and transphobia to diminish our own. These remnants of the past are not in the past because they, may, because they inform many of our decisions today and how we choose to exist as marginalized people. We have adapted in many ways to our times, yet not in ways that free us. Our bodies are still those of our enslaved ancestors and are still fighting in the same ways that our ancestors have been for all these centuries. And for as long as we keep living in the past 
our successors and descendants will be fighting the same battles. This is honestly if they are even alive at that time. Our bodies are gifts from our ancestors to change what we're living through so that they and ourselves can reunite once again. And yet, we, the humans, still choose to not see the light, the light of our truth and humanity. I do not identify as a man, nor have I been socialized as one. But I can tell you this one thing as a black queer woman. We have constantly been stripped of femininity as women because of the white supremacists that could not allow for us to be viewed as women and still work and labor with men. So instead of not making us work, they rather forced us into the box of black womanhood, which is the crux of white supremacy. Within that experience, I can say that I very strongly empathize with the men in my community. In the same way, they are not allowed to show or express emotion. Black women, black women aren't either. In the same way, they are forced to become men at early ages, black women are forced to become women at young ages. In the same way that they're expected to uphold toxic masculinity, we're also expected to uphold toxic masculinity. Yet for us, we're at the receiving end. I won't say that that makes our oppression harder as women, but this stripping away of femininity for us as black people is exactly what has caused us to fall to our detriment in the most violent ways possible. What we desperately need our black men to do is forget about what it means to be a man and to remember the power of their own humanity and spirituality. We may think that women are becoming more woke and progressive, but that's simply because we are being killed every day. At this point, we need men to see how harmful this has been for them over the centuries and to really accept their part in this mess. Until then, we're heading for destruction. And the first people to feel this will be the women, queer people, and children. So it's all making sense. Everything is fucking making sense. It's the power of divine feminine that these people have stolen. Today it's all making sense. Why are the divine feminine the most oppressed beings on the planet? They steal our energy to create false power, to create illusions. Then they suppress us they make us suffer. Mother Africa, rise, rise and fight. It's the empathy of the planet. That is why evil still dwells. But it's about time we rise. We are rising. This is a feminine planet. We are sovereign.
We don't need any dark magic. We are rising. It's time. Every tear that fall from my eye, I send the fire of the dragon to go unleash instant karma and consequences for the oppressors of Mother Gaia and the stealers of our feminine energy. Now I know why they bring the equality thing. Now I know why they say, what men can do, women can do better. Now I know why they marry us, put ring in our hands. Now I know why they don't let us lead in their worship, in their organized religion, because they are thieves. They have stolen our power. They want us to think we are powerless, but we are not. We are rising. Watch us come back. This is the end of this episode, which is the last episode on the Culture Makes Me Human series. I have absolutely loved doing this series, and I would have wished I could make a whole podcast on Culture Makes Me Human. However, I feel I've done enough to highlight the ways in which our culture directs us as humans and informs our humanity. It tells us who we are and who we're meant to be and where we're coming from and where we're going. I would have loved to have a man or male identifying person on this episode because I honestly think that I haven't gone into enough depth with this. However, I do believe there are many sources where you can learn deeply about the struggles of men in this society. My aim for this particular episode was just to highlight that most of our culture, and thus our people, are stuck in the past, and their bodies are doing so as well. And so long as we do not redirect our focus to healing and finding our own identities, we will never have a future where we are free. We only have time that we can use to direct our solution. Time from the past, time of the now, and time into the future. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that I was able to help you in understanding the way forward in the time that we're in currently. I have just one last question, which will be answered in the next episode, the last episode of this first season of the Black Girl Condition podcast. The question is, now that we know where, who, what, how and why we're here where we are as black and African people. What is the solution to this destruction and the impending doom? I'll give you a hint. It is the most popular cliche four letter word in human society. I hope you can guess the answer before the next episode. If you have anything to share about this episode, feedback about the information that I have or personal stories that you'd like to have on this platform, please do not hesitate to message me on my socials, which I have provided in a link in the episode's description. Remember to listen to the stories your body tells you about who you are. Your skin, teeth, bones, eyes, inner organs, legs, arms, head and mind and spirit and soul all tell you what to do 
not the system. I hope you can listen and find your own way to live in this world. Stay cozy and lots of love from Lelo.